Uh, good morning. Like Stacy said, my name is Dylan Frex. I am the new director of student ministries here at River Ridge. Uh, I have been here for less than a month, so this is a super awesome opportunity to get to talk to you guys during our all-family service. Uh, I have met some of you all, but I have not met all of you all. So like I said, my name is Dylan, and on three, I would love if you would introduce yourself and just shout your name out as loud as possible to get things started this morning. Okay, ready? Hi, I'm Dylan. One, two, three. Got him. I think there was a mat in there somewhere. Uh, Like I said, I am super excited to be here with you guys this morning because December 31st is a super unique day. I mean, if you think about it, uh, December 31st might be the most unique day of the year because for a lot of us, including the kids that this will be their one night getting to stay up a year, a lot of us will be awake for the last moments of 2017 And then we'll be awake for the first moments of 2018. We're standing on this really weird kind of pivot point between this year and the next. And so December 31st is usually used as a time that we either look back to the year uh, previous or we look ahead to the next year. And so this morning, I want to do a little bit of both of those things. I want to evaluate 2017 just a little bit. And then I want to spread this uh, optimistic vision that I have for our church uh, for 2018. So we're going to evaluate the past year. And in evaluating the past year, we are going to make goals for the next year. So just to get started, like I said, a lot of you guys don't know me all that well yet. Um, My name is Dylan and my wife is back there. Her name is Elizabeth. Some of you guys have met her. Uh, But it was a big year for our family. So I wanted to go ahead and cover a couple of the things that happened this year alone in Elizabeth and I's life. So first things first, uh, we uh, have been dating for many, many years. Uh, We were engaged for about a year. And then in early May, the first big major life transition happened. And uh, for us as a couple, early May, Elizabeth graduated from Marshall University. You can throw that picture up there with her degree in accounting. So that was a big step for her. And then just a couple weeks later, on May the 19th, Elizabeth and I actually ended up getting married. So you can toss that up there. I purposely include this because I know that girls are always like, well, what did her dress look like? So there you go. It was very pretty. Uh, Guys, thanks for asking what the tux looked like. Uh, I thought I looked pretty good too. Um, She even made me trim my beard for that occasion. So that was was a good day. Um, So that was May 19th. In uh, the end of May, we went on our honeymoon to Jamaica, which was awesome. And then in the beginning portion of June, Elizabeth started her career as an auditor at Gray, Griffith, and Mays. And then just in this past month, I started my ministry here at River Ridge Church. And so for us, this was a massive year of many transitions and many good things and maybe a couple stressful things as well. One memory I have from 2000, uh, 2017 in particular was something that occurred in just this past week because I love the holiday season. Like the holiday season is my favorite. Um, I celebrate two seasons actually. I celebrate Christmas and beach. So uh, when December 26th hits, I'm back to beach season. So if you see me walking around in flip-flops and like swimming trunks and stuff, like it's totally normal. It's just something I do. Um, but this past week was very memorable for us and it's something I'll never forget So we have a tradition as our family of getting together with my grandma for Christmas Day. And we usually go over there around 1 o'clock and enjoy a nice big dinner like a lot of you guys might do. Uh, We share stories. 
we share memories, we share laughs, and we share gifts. But this year, we ended up sharing something much, uh, much worse. Uh, so on Tuesday, Elizabeth and I were finishing up our holiday celebrating. We were finishing up uh, just giving some gifts to a couple last people and hanging out with friends at our house. When all of a sudden, I started to feel a little queasy. And if you know anything about me, you know that I have stomach issues already, so that's just a normal thing. Uh, but I started to feel really queasy and weird, so I told my friends, like, hey, I'm going to go to bed. I'll see you all later. They ended up leaving, and I went right to bed and laid down. So I laid there for about an hour, and I just couldn't seem to get to sleep. I was feeling really, really woozy and weird. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no. I have to go to the bathroom. So I jumped out of bed to see what was the clatter or what was the matter. Sorry, it's a Christmas joke. Um, I jumped out of bed. I ran into the bathroom, the other one, not the one near uh, the master bedroom because I knew Elizabeth would hate the sound of what was coming next. And so I ran into the bathroom, made about halfway in, uh, the toilets all the way at the end. And I'm telling you, it felt like a football field. Like I felt like I was trying to run for a touchdown to get to that toilet. I was chugging along and then, about halfway there, I got stopped in my tracks, and then, bleh, and it was, I'm telling you guys, it was the worst, the worst puke I've ever had. I mean, it was everywhere but the toilet, really. It was on the floor. It was on the walls. It was absolutely disgusting. So I finally was able to start getting back to sleep. I slept that night. I woke up the next morning and texted my mom and was like, not feeling good. And she says, oh, that's funny, because your dad is sick, I am sick, your brother was sick, and your grandmother was sick. So it turns out that uh, we shared stories, we shared laughter, we shared memories, we shared gifts, and the greatest gift of all, a very contagious stomach flu. Thankfully, I'm over it, so you don't have to worry, um, but... That was absolutely one of the uh, low points of 2017 for sure. So I say all that to say this. 2017 had some really big ups in my life, right? I got married to the woman of my dreams. It was amazing, right? She graduated from college. We both got jobs, right? We are so blessed. And 2017 was a great year, but at the same time, there were some difficulties for us as well, you know, in planning the wedding, that was really stressful. If you've ever planned a wedding, you know you probably don't want to do that more than once. But I feel like not only was it a significant year for us, it was also a significant year for our world as well. So I want to kind of take you guys back in 2017 for just a second, and then we will kind of look ahead to 2018. So in 2017, we experienced, and a lot of these are kind of centered towards the kids because they'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, the first one we experienced was, and I don't know how this happened. This was the weirdest thing. It happened overnight, and all of a sudden, here it is. We returned to the 90s Nickelodeon shows, and everybody was playing with slime. And I don't get it, but kids are, like, making slime and, like, selling it on Instagram. They have, like, Instagram slime stores, and they're giving, like, promos. Like, these kids are entrepreneurs, and they're making, like, five bucks a day off of slime. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, so we returned to slime. We learned a couple new uh, cool dance moves, like the one that that backpack kid did. I don't know. I don't think I can do it very well. I, I try, but it's not. I'm sorry. Dancing is not a strong suit of mine. Uh, in 2017, we kept up with the, the craze of 
the dab. Everybody loves the dab. Um, there was a weird video that told us that the floor was lava, and then anytime our friends would yell that, we'd have to like jump on the nearest piece of furniture and pretend like we were about to burn our legs off. I don't know how these things happen. They just do. It's weird. Um, we had a full solar eclipse. That was pretty cool, right? You guys got to sit outside. They told you, like, don't stare right at it. And then we all inevitably went and stared right at it and, like, burned our corneas out of our face. And then finally, and this is the one that I'm, I think I'll always remember 2017 for this. It was good for some of us. It kind of snuck up on some of us. It was a good thing. It might have been a bad thing. Some of us hated it. Some of us loved it. You guys know what I'm talking about. Fidget spinners. Absolutely. The fidget spinner, right? Like the fidget spinner, I have no idea how a little triangular toy with a ball bearing in the middle that you can go like this and like play with, I don't know how that is popular, but it is. So those were some of the good things that happened in 2017, but at the same time, those were some good things in the midst of some very bad things. I mean, the reality of it is, while we were sitting there mixing up slime and selling it to gullible, you know, kindergarten kids, there was a mass shooting in Las Vegas. That was hard. While we were learning cool dance moves and enjoying our time with friends and family and acting like an idiot trying to copy the kid on YouTube, there was Hurricane Harvey and Irma and Maria. There was a giant mudslide in Columbia that killed over 200 people. That was a big one. And there were a lot of people protesting over a lot of different things. And so when we look at 2017, we can look back and we can say, man, slime was cool, dance moves were cool, the fidget spinner, hopefully we don't see that again in 2018. Um, but there were some really, really bad things that happened. And I think the biggest thing this year was for me was a year of transition. And I would venture to say that for some of you all, this was a major year of transition as well. Whether it meant getting married, having a kid, facing a death of a loved one, we all had transitions in 2017 that we had to deal with. And I say all that to say this. The reality of it is, after a year like 2017, we're kind of left in this place where we're like, where do I go from here? All right? My family may be torn apart. Like, there may have been some really bad things that happened in 2017. So where do we go from here? And the way that most of us cope with those things, like uh, a couple uh, weeks ago, I went to the doctor, and he told me that in the past six months, I've gained 35 pounds. I looked at him, and I said, well, that's not my fault. I'm just getting ready for dad bod eventually. So, you know, but the reality of it is, you know, I, I kind of want to lose some weight in 2018. So maybe that's a resolution. Maybe that's the fix to making 2018 better. Or maybe uh, you realize that you were spending a lot of time on your phone because our screens are controlling us now. And you're saying, my resolution is I want to spend less time on my phone and more time with my family and friends. Maybe you want to be nicer. Maybe you want to be more patient. Or maybe you want to be more caring. We all have resolutions. And these resolutions are often viewed as the way that we are going to fix 2018 because it can't be much worse than 2017. Maybe you want to insert your resolution here, because we've all been thinking 
about that goal that we have for 2018. And while those resolutions are great, and I think it's awesome to challenge yourself to grow and, you know, to lose weight and do all these different things, I think that that's not the best type of resolution that we can make. I think there's a better type, and I think that that is the biblical type. So what would a biblical New Year's resolution look like, right? Because I think that losing weight is a good thing, and I think that being away from our phone is a good thing, but how would we make a biblical New Year's resolution? Uh, And I think when we read in the book of Philippians, we see just that. We see what the Apostle Paul would probably call his New Year's resolution. And we're going to dive into that this morning. So if you guys will, go ahead. If you have your Bible or your phone or whatever you like to use, go ahead and open your Bible to uh, Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 10. I'll give you a second to get there. It will be on the screen as well, so you can read it up there if you would like. Ah, In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul begins to write about what he desires in life. And I think it's really kind of telling, and it's kind of the mark of a Christian, what he says. And so Paul says this. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. Becoming like him somehow, or like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thanks for the people that were able to get out this morning to come and uh, fellowship with their, with their fellow Christians and worship and just get ready for 2018. God, I ask that as we're making resolutions, we would keep them centered on you. Help us to really dive into your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, He has this big, long section of scripture that when I look at it, I see Paul's New Year's resolution. It may not have actually been on the cusp of the New Year because I don't know that they did that back then. Uh, But uh, I think Paul is saying, here is what I'm going to resolve or I'm going to be resolute about doing. And so the first thing, and this is your first major bullet point, so if you're taking notes on the back of your uh, bulletin, you can go ahead and write this one down. The first thing he says in verse 10 is that he wants to know Christ. And I think that's funny because, you know, we're all here at church, and most of us would say, yeah, I know about Christ. I know things about Christ. But it's like I told the middle school kids a couple weeks ago, knowing about Christ is not knowing Christ. You see, I went to school with Elizabeth for four years, uh, or three years, three years, yeah, three years, three, three, yeah. I went to school with Elizabeth for three years. I saw her in my classes, and I knew things about her. I knew that she played flute. I knew that she was in band. I knew that she went to uh, Morris Memorial. I knew that she was a Christian, all these different things. But I did not know Elizabeth. We hadn't had a conversation or any of that good stuff. So, This is an interesting statement coming from Paul because most of the world would regard Paul as one of the greatest Christians of all time. I mean, the guy wrote almost half of the New Testament. 
So why is this guy who's saying, uh, that we say is one of the greatest Christians of all time, saying he wants to know Christ? Like, we would think that he already knew Christ. Why would Paul make a comment like this? I think that Paul says this because he realizes that there's always something new to understand about Jesus. I mean, if we dive into our Bible every day, we are going to encounter something new every day about Jesus. God. And Paul was so in love with Jesus, so in love with his Savior, that he wanted to keep pursuing this closer knowing of Jesus. You know, this is similar to how our relationships are. In the same way that we have relationships with our family, like our spouse or our mom or our dad or our grandparents or our kids or our friends, like we always ask them questions about them so we can know more about them. We want to have this closer relationship with them. And imagine this. What if like a day or two into my marriage with Elizabeth, we went through, we did all the I do's, you know, we kissed, everybody saw that, took pictures, they loved it. Uh, And then about two days in or three days in, I decided I knew all there was to know about my wife and I stopped talking to her, stopped asking her questions and stopped listening to her. That relationship would probably not work very well. I think the same thing goes with our relationship with Christ. We need this daily looking forward to knowing more about him and letting him fill us up with the truth about him. So part of maintaining healthy relationships in life, and this applies to our relationship with Jesus, is that we must never believe that we know it all. Because in our relationship with Christ, there is going to be a lot of mystery and a lot of things that we got to continue figuring out. And so I think Paul's desire to know Christ much better is a result of his second major point of his resolution, which is this, uh, in verse, sorry, let me flip over. In verse 12, Paul states, not that I have already obtained all this or already arrived at my goal. The second point is this, Paul doesn't want to plateau, right? The same way that so many of us have plateaued so many times in our relationships and especially our relationship with Christ, Paul says, I want to know him better, and I do not want to plateau. You know, the Apostle Paul had a really bad life. For you guys that know much about the Apostle Paul, you may know some of this, you may not. But the Apostle Paul spent many, many, many years in jail once he became a follower of Christ. You see, Paul didn't have a great life, and his life actually ended in a really, really terrible way. He spent five to six years in jail before finally they released him just so they could behead him and kill him. So the Apostle Paul, like I said, we look back at this guy and we say, he's one of the greatest Christians of all time. Like he was even willing to die for his faith. And he still says, I have not obtained all this. I have not arrived at the goal. I have not plateaued. And I am not going to stop pursuing Christ. It's interesting to think that even Paul, who was also a human like you and I, struggled with this. You know, we live in a time where it's really easy to get distracted, right? We constantly have something else, something flashy, something new to look at. We get the iPhone 7, and then a year later we get the iPhone 8, and then the iPhone 10 or iPhone X or whatever it's called. Like, we're constantly going for the next newest thing because, quite frankly, we get bored really, really easily. And what happens in our faith, and I think this is the primary problem we have, is we start going to church. We may serve in river camp. We may, you know, hold doors. We may work on the coffee team. We may read our Bible every now and then, and we may pray every night before dinner. 
And once we check all those things off our list, we believe that we know all there is to know about Christ and that we have arrived at the goal of being Christian, right? But the reality of it is we cannot plateau. We can never know it all. The problem in this lies in that plateauing in the Christian faith actually means, uh, means rejecting that we're still a work in progress. Because if we think that we have arrived, there's nowhere else to go, and our progress is going to stop right there. And Paul here makes it very, very clear that even him, a guy who uh, has preached and seen many saved and has been jailed and eventually will be killed for his faith, still had room to grow. He was still a work in progress like you and I. For Paul, the reality was that plateauing was a challenge, but in his third resolution, uh, third part of his resolution, he makes it clear how he intends to fight it. In verse 13, we read this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and I strain towards what is ahead. So Paul says here something that we say at River Ridge a lot, I want to uh, take the next step in my faith. I want to take that next step. And for Paul, can you imagine what those steps were looking like? A step into jail. A step to get beheaded. Like, this is a hard life that he is living. Many of us are constantly looking for the next right thing. We listen to self-help podcasts. We listen to, or we read self-help books. We're constantly online trying to figure life out. We Google all the questions that we have, and hopefully we get an answer. We're always looking for that next right thing. We know God has something more in store for us, but we just really aren't sure what it is. And I think that Paul had that exact same thought. He may not have always been sure where the next step would lead him, but he was always willing to take the next step. Ultimately, he may not have been exactly sure on what that step was going to look like. He always acknowledged that he was going to take that because he trusted in Jesus. And so as we're closing out today, I want to present a couple things to you all that I'm hoping you take into 2018 with you. Maybe in 2017, You've been coming to church, you've been hanging out with a Christian crowd, and you've been thinking about following Jesus. But maybe 2018 is that point where you really step up and say, I'm going to make this my own. Maybe you're already following Jesus. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you've never been baptized. So maybe 2018 is a time for you to take that next step and be baptized. Maybe you attend church, but you're not very regular about attending church. Maybe 2018 is the year for you to challenge yourself to become more consistent about being a part of Sunday morning worship. Maybe in loving the sermons, right? That last sermon series that Matt did, Simple Christmas, was unreal. I mean, that was a great series. Maybe you love the sermons, but when you get home, you don't really do anything with them. So maybe 2018 is the year where you say, I'm going to set up a daily quiet time for myself and you start committing to reading your Bible and praying. Maybe you've been studying all on your own, and doing life by yourself is dangerous and difficult, right? Like, it is not easy to do life on your own. We're going to get chewed up and spit out if we try to do that. So maybe in 2017, you had your quiet time, you went to church and all those good things, but maybe 2018 is the year where you say, I'm going to plant in a ridge group, or I'm going to go to river camp, 
or I'm going to go to Wired or Sunday Night Live or whatever your particular age group has, and you're going to say, I'm going to do life with other people who are trying to figure this out. Maybe you're tired of just being a consumer. Like, I love coming in and eating donut holes and drinking coffee, but that only is going to sustain me for so long. So maybe you're tired of being a consumer, and in 2018, you want to join a serving team. There are needs. You are needed in the church to lead kids or to lead teens or whatever it might be. You are needed here somehow. So maybe this is your year to start serving. Finally, maybe you've been struggling, struggling with some type of hurt, uh, a habit, or a hang-up. Something you think year to year, you make a resolution saying, oh, I'm just going to get rid of this myself, and every single year you can't do it alone. Maybe 2018 is the year that you start going to celebrate recovery, and you start figuring that out with other people. You know, guys, there are so many next steps for us to take. In life, we take them all the time. We start out in preschool, then we go to kindergarten, we step up through elementary school into middle school. We step up from middle school to high school and then maybe college or maybe the workforce. Then we get married. Then we have kids, like all these different things. There's always a next step. And our faith in Christ is the exact same way. There's always a next step for us to take. And the key is that we got to continue to ask ourselves, what is the next step? Because we have never arrived. We must look at that next step put it in our mind, and then we have to have the courage to take that next step. So as we're making New Year's resolutions, may we focus on things that will bring about a good 2018, yes. But can we also focus on things that will resound throughout all of eternity? In 2018, I want to love my neighbor better. In 2018, I want to serve as a small group leader. In 2018, I want to stand outside on a freezing cold day and help people get parked and make it into church. In 2017, or 2018, I want to know Christ. In 2018, I don't want to plateau. And in 2018, I want to take my next step. I'm going to pray for us, and then you guys will be free to go and enjoy your last day of 2017. Thanks for listening. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to get up here this morning and talk to my friends about this pivot point that we're standing on, 2017 and 2018. Help us to make resolutions that honor you. Help us to make resolutions that help us love people like you love us. Help us to take our next step in 2018. In Jesus' name, amen.